Ladies and gentlemen, you are now tuned into Mogul Talk, a podcast that serves as a canvas for entrepreneurs to share their triumphs and struggles on their journey to becoming the moguls of tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, you know the vibes. This is Mogul Talk with your boy King Jules and your boy No Church in the City. We got a special guest for you today. The one and only, the connoisseur of marketing. Um, if you want to get some good work, his work is certain, unlike the stock of GameStop at the moment. You know, he ain't ever going to let you down. Drew <laughs> DeLeon, uh, what it do? What it do? Welcome to the to the show. Man, I got to hire y'all for like intros. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> Man, can I just hire you? Like, you know, when I, when I walk into meetings, I'll be like, hold up. We got King Jules and Kevin. Let me introduce them real quick. Um, I love that. Now I'm doing really well. I think most of I'm just just on on a check-in tip. Um, I'm just like I said, excited to do what I do every day. Love music. Um, obviously, given the circumstances, it's challenging across the board. But you know, I think you know we'll talk more about this during this episode. Just finding your purpose. So I'm excited to um, tap into my purpose every day. So. You know. Awesome. Awesome. Love the energy. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, we are now on a YouTube space, so you're probably watching us in real time, um, you know, uh, you, or you're seeing us in real life. This is what I say. Um, but, you know, for those of you who don't know, my name is King Jules. I am, you know, one of the co-hosts here with my good brother, Church. Um, you know, today's episode, we do have Drew DeLeon. Um, as you heard, Kevin, in that amazing intro, I think Kevin gives the best intros to people. Um, this is why at my wedding, I want him to introduce uh, my fiance or my soon to be wife and I as we walk through because there's no intro, but it's going to be better than coming from him. But on <laughs> today's episode, <laughs> seriously, but you know, I'm with it. I'm with it. Hopefully, not too many tequila shots, though. When I'm doing no, that, I'll no, no. no. I, you know, no. since you go, go out there, before we get into introductions, like Drew needs some background. So my 25th <laughs> birthday last year, and this is no, not last year. Wow, this is crazy. This is two years ago. Uh, Kevin comes. I have a 25th birthday party, and Kevin was working at this company where he works at now. They have a regular happy hour on Fridays. So mm. Kevin come went to happy hour, and he came to my party. Slays. He was so <laughs> drunk that his co-worker had to bring him from the happy hour to the venue to make sure he did not I'm miss dead. my birthday party. It was so bad that my mom and Kevin, they've known each other since we were like 14 years old. Kevin forgot that my mom, who my mom was, that's how drunk he was. And he waved to her and she was like, Kevin has never waved to me in his life. He normally gives me a hug. Is he okay? And I had to tell my mom, I'm like, yeah, he's a little bit drunk, you know? <laughs> You got really not one of my more, you know, one of my more embarrassing your, your brightest and, moments. Uh, I definitely felt so bad always, uh, but it's all good. It's all good. You could be that drunk at my my birthdays too. I'll take care of you. All right, sounds like a plan. <laughs> sounds like um, a plan. So let's get into you know the the bio for today. So just to give you guys some background as to who Drew is and his work. Uh, Drew is currently the head of marketing at Alamo Records. He's formerly the director of digital at Def Jam. Um, with over 10 years of experience in the music industry, he currently heads digital for artists such as Rod Wave, Little Got It, Young Mai, Wi-Fi's Funeral, Sanville, ALX, and more. 
Um, in 2010, Drew started his own music agency, Blank Label, where he develops artists through digital marketing and brand partnerships. And in 2016, he co-founded the global music and tech education community, the Digilog, with the belief of paying it for in the music industry. And outside of the industry, Drew is also a basketball enthusiast. He loves the Knicks. This is disappointing. <laughs> but, you know, this year, your Knicks are doing something. I'm not going to front. My Knicks are my NBA 2K, my player team. Y'all are yes. doing something. My fantasy team, I got Mitchell Robinson. I got RJ guy. You know. Oh, <laughs> it's been a rough 25 years. <laughs> 25, man. This has been a Don't get into the hype, this no. is, the Knicks no. do this all the all the time. They'll show some hope in the beginning, and then they just let everybody down. And then they, I mean, the, they the Carmelo movement, they, they actually went somewhere. Oof. What happened? They, kinda. Carmelo, Carmelo Knicks. They went, they went deep in the uh, the this uh, playoffs. Yeah, I gotta give you know, I gotta give Carmelo his flowers. He he did his thing, but you know, yeah. <laughs> no one beats the '94 Knicks. That's all I can say. Not if, oh, even though they lost the chip, yeah, yeah, but you know, it, you look at the times it, they were set up from the jump. You couldn't get through the Bulls that um, yeah. in in that era, like that year. I don't even think that was a year that Jordan took the year off, and they actually still went pretty far without him. So that says a lot about that team. Yeah. It does. <laughs> so yeah, just to continue on, I know I don't want to get a sidetrack, but he's also embraces his Filipino heritage and enjoys spending his time with his family and friends. This is also something that I did in my background. My man Drew is from Queens. Queens get the money. Got it tatted on me. Kevin's Let's go. High school in Queens. We've been oh, here all day, every day. Dozo. Wait, you went to Dozo? Yes, yeah, sir. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. Wow. Queens... You know, if you, you you know, you know, I mean, it's like if you grew up here, you know how it's like. Um, obviously, I'm not being biased, but it is the best borough. Hundred <laughs> percent. And nobody else can. Deny. The only nobody people who would compare is Brooklyn, <laughs> of the course. Bronx. Of and course. Brooklyn already knows what the real is, and the Bronx does too, and that's why Queens gets the money. Simple as that. Yes. Mm-hmm. So as we go on, you know, I. I I want you, Drew, to kind of like take us through your personal journey. You know, what led up to, you know, you being the head of marketing mm. for Alamo, Def Jam. What was the journey? You know, you talk about mm. Cardozo. Any Queens person knows what Dozo means, you know. So t- tell us about that early journey that brought you to where you are now. Yeah, no, 100%. So shout out to all my Queens folks that are watching this. Um, I think for me growing up, um, I grew up in a lower you know, middle-class household. Um, I wasn't born here. I was actually born in the Philippines. So I came over here in the States when I was four and, you know, came in, came in with, I grew up in an immigrant family. Um, you know, New York was my first stop. I've moved around and, um, eventually settled back in New York. But I think for me growing up, you know, my parents were always just mad strict. So it was about school, getting good grades. You know, they were like blue collar workers, and for a lot of Filipinos, I think and just just a lot of immigrant families, the expectations is always just to like study hard and get a great job. So I think going to college, you know, I wanted to go to those expensive schools, but I think for me, just like thinking financially, I went to a really great school to be honest. I went to Baruch. So shout out to my Baruchians, CUNY, SUNYs. You know, you get that subsidized tuition. Um, of course. <laughs> if you know, you know. Um, and I got a great education there because. I literally got the same job as folks that graduate 
graduated, you know, at NYU. And um, not to say that, you know, uh, I saved a lot of money. It was just, it was just, I think for me, validation that I made the right choice. But I think going into school, um, I wanted, I knew I wanted to go into business. So when I first went to college, it was really about trying to find, you know, what my interests were. I took accounting as a first major. You know, the the, the idea of like Asians loving math, I'm just going to just eliminate that. <laughs> I I don't love math, but I like numbers, if that makes any sense. Like, I don't love math, but I, I like numbers. So I think for me, um, math and, and, and accounting wasn't necessarily the thing that I wanted to like uh, pursue. So I pivoted into marketing. Um, you know, this is during a time where complex was huge when it came to magazines like sneaker culture was huge like dunks were huge at the time um i thought i was i wanted to work in a complex because i would always like get their magazines i'm like i want to work here but i found myself getting an internship at this investment bank and my friend hooked me up he's like yo if you wear a suit and just like you know type in these numbers in the spreadsheet and get these people coffee and just make these runs you make Eleven dollars an hour. I was like, "What? Okay, you know, like, you know, it was at the time it was just extra money." <laughs> this is just yeah. for context. This is what was like two thousand three. So eventually, like, you know, I was looking at like these guys. I was like, "Man, these brokers." I was working for an investment back in times, Morgan Stanley, and it was like, um, just like the idea of like I didn't see the, those people like around me. So for me, like, I saw like, wow, like, how do they get tickets to the Giants game? Like, why always like these guys always dressed up? So I'll, immediately I was like, man, these people are successful. So I just equated that as success. So, you know, for me, I, I gradually went to um, the next internship, which was another finance job. I did really well. And I think, you know, m- my passions for like music and marketing were always just centered around my friends. But at the time, like, I was just like, oh, this is a guaranteed salary. I was going to make a lot of money off college like, that I've never made before. So I took it. I drank the Kool-Aid. I was like, all right. You know, and then um, at that time, um, you know, I decided to, like, move into the city. Like, I was, you know, I thought I was, you know, I thought I, I, I made it. And And coming from what I went through growing up, like that was for me like success like all right i'm living in the city i have a good salary i'm making i'm helping my parents out and i think the pressures of that just kind of just like was always in my back of my mind because i remember that first six months i was just like really convincing myself that this was it you know do the did the whole suit and tie this time this is a time when blackberries were hot like we used to like bbm um, and I thought I was cool. Like, oh, I got a BlackBerry, you know, like, I'm just going to just like text I'm doing you know? real business. I'm, mind you, I'm just like chatting with like people like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stocks. Yeah, sure. Um, and for, for me, I think I was just like every day and it just started to wear off. Like, all right, who am I and what is my purpose? Because I would wake up and then towards the end of that first year, I was like, all right, cool. I made a solid, you know, paycheck, but what did that compromise, right? Um, I just remember going into the weekends like super just like hype about it and that, you know, just getting those Sunday scaries, just like, man, I got to go in on Monday. And um, and I was like, why do I feel like this? And, you know, you just have to start listening to yourself and you're, and you're, and you're like having that sense of self-awareness. So I was lucky enough that a lot of my friends were also 
creatives, like designers, photographers, like aspiring artists and DJs. So I was always like the odd person out. But mind you, like my interests were always just like there, but I was in finance and I knew I just wasn't like in the right place. So fast forward 2009, this is probably the worst time to like leave a job. Um, you know, the economy was going through a transformation. It was the, like Wall Street was tanking and uh, they were firing people. They were laying people off. Mind you, they decided to promote me. I was like, no, don't promote me <laughs> because I would literally have to work two other people's jobs. So it was challenging because while they're like laying people off, they're probably more work on my end. So I would stay at work at like 12, 14 hours a day. And that was, you know, it was just tough. And mind you, this is like 60 hour weeks, um, getting in at seven, leaving at nine. I was like, this is not normal. Um, and eventually it really hit the toll where I was like, all right, I'm going to leave. And I need to tell my manager, like, I need to take a vacation. It's going to be a, an extended one. Um, and I, I remember, I remember, I remember uh, March of 2009, I left and I was like, what am I doing? And at the time, I just needed to get out. And I think for a lot of folks that are going through these things, sometimes you just got to just step out of the place that you're in because you're so like consumed by it and have yourself a, a moment to think and, and find like that moment of clarity. So I actually went to, the, to California and traveled up and down the coast by myself. You know, and, and isolation, you know, a lot of people like don't want to travel alone, but I found a lot of value in that because I had a chance to really listen to my thoughts and just kind of understand like what happened the past three years. <laughs> like what is, because like you're, you're literally, you know the New York hustle, it's like you're going every day. And yeah. you don't have a time, a chance to like really just step back and understand why you're doing these things. We are back. Um, and then, you know, just for, for context, um, we're here, California. This is 2009. California. And yeah, and I left, I left my job with no clear plan. I advised no one to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think... I think we've all hit moments where we're just like, this is it. I can't stand this this job anymore. Um, and for me, I hit that moment. Um, but I don't advise anyone to do that. I did it. And I had to deal with the with the, the reper repercussions of it. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I think the challenging part of that was just trying to find my purpose during that time. But I just needed just to get out of New York. Um Kevin just recently did the same thing. Um, he made the move from Queens to L.A. Uh, what? This has been two months now since you made that move? It's been more than that. I moved uh, October really? 15. Really? So it's yeah. almost wow. going to be four he, months. He did the same, the same thing. Uh, he, he was like, I'm tired of New York. I need to get away for a little bit. Wait, so why did you, why, why'd you leave? So, like... You know, during these times, everybody's working from home. And so it was just the perfect opportunity where I can still have my job. You know, I didn't quit my job. I still have my New York job. Um, and luckily, with Internet, I guess we are able to, you know, work from anywhere around the world. And so my boy had a room available. I was like, let's do it. Let's let me see something new. Why not? You know, you, sometimes you got to take that leap and you might be falling for a minute, but uh eventually a parachute will come and you'll be able to you know stick your landing uh it's definitely not for the week though and it's something that you got to be prepared for because it can be you know financially exhausting um you got to make new friends 
uh, especially during a pandemic, mm-hmm. like you don't even know what's going on. But California is beautiful. Um, I am planning on, yeah. you know, much like yeah. you did, you you traveled uh, California, the whole coast. I'm planning on in September biking from Washington to Mexico, uh, just north to south, just to see everything. And you know, why not? Wow. Why not explore wow. what's out there to uh, to get the experience? But Yo, your legs are gonna be hiking. huge. <laughs> You're going to have monster calves. Yo, your calves are going to be stocked. (laughs) Those will be healthy calves. Healthy calves. Healthy calves. I'll love to hear that. I love to hear that. I think just the idea of getting lost um, and just kind of feeling vulnerable was something that I needed because I was so secure and just kind of, I didn't say I felt complacent, but it was just like, you're just going through the motions. And I think the idea of being lost and just like unsure of things woke me up and it allowed me to just to live, you know, just be, um, not sound cliche, but be free a little bit. And, um, I appreciated that during the times when, you know, from a financial standpoint, it was challenging, but, you know, during this moment, you know, I had good friends that were artists, um, DJs, and that's really how my career started. So you know what you're doing now you guys started as friends right you're you're doing this together so my dj friend was like yo drew you have business acumen you know how to write proper emails you know how to talk to people can you help me book gigs i was like what (laughs) i was like book gigs um i don't know about booking gigs but i know how to talk to people so and i know how to pitch so that's what i did i started booking my boy who was a dj you know we were obviously part of like the new york nightlife scene and just kind of being out and about and just plugging them in. That's how I started music as a music manager, right? As a, as a DJ manager. And eventually that's actually when I started Blank Label because me just, I, got, I had to think like coherently about it. Like how are people going to expect me or respect me um, in terms of like what I do? So I literally went on Vistaprint, created free business cards. Uh, Wix was free, created a website. And then, you know, Invested a little bread into like LegalZoom, filed an LLC, and there you go. Blank label wow. started, you know? So, mind you, the little did they know I started that three weeks ago. Like, they didn't know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but to them, on paper, you're, you're legit. This guy knows legit. what he's doing. Yeah, yeah he's, he's proper. Like, he's, you know, he speaks elo- you know, eloquently and he... He knows business terms and stuff. So, yeah, I was like, let me, you know, let me read the contract. Mind you, I was like, man, I could read this contract. I literally had to, like, hit up my boy's a lawyer. He's a financial lawyer. He's like, yo, does this look legit? Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, these are things that I was just doing. And um, the point I'm making is that you start the best things that you're, you're passionate about with your friends. Mm. And you don't have to wait. Um for you to like be in music to like you don't have to be at a label you start things that you're passionate about tomorrow and that's the point i'm making so fast forward you know with blank label you know you know this is the time when digital in music really exploded both from a social media standpoint and streaming you know 2010 11 spotify the sound clouds this is a shift in music consumption you know you're going from itunes to streaming mm. and then from a digital standpoint facebook was relatively like about five years old twitter was popping it was about two years old instagram was, didn't even start yet but youtube just kicked off and you know there's all these new platforms that you as a marketer can like promote an artist 
And I was just excited to be part of that, that conversation. And mind you, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just like, oh, this is cool. Let me just post stuff here, this, that, and the third. And um, that's really like where my experience in digital marketing really started was just through trial and experience. Not to say error, it's experience. Like you're just trying things out. And that's where like I really learned how to market, you know, artists online. And, um, you know, eventually I started working with recording artists. Um, I fell in, in love with like the idea of like working with different brands. And I had an opportunity to work with a really dope brand at the time as just like a, a day job. And it, this was Beats by Dre. So Beats by Dre was like Jordans on your head. <laughs> like <laughs> the most, most expens- expensive headphones. Uh, but it was a statement piece. Like you wore Beats. I was like, man, this guy you got, got money. You yeah. just got, got bread. Like it was a statement piece. Like, you know, Jay's, like everyone got Beats. And for that like three year period, you know, I worked at, as a you know a brand ambassador, eventually a brand manager over at the Beats by Dre store. This was the only concept store available in the world. It was in Soho, and I had a chance to work there during the day. Met some really dope people. Um, I got to see how brands like Beats and like really approach marketing artists, and I also built a lot of relationships. But during that time, you know, this is what I'm telling people: like, if you got a day job. You got to have your side gig that, you know, you're building. And mind you, I was building a blank label, working with artists, doing stuff on the side, plugging in my artists and just finding ways to just like, you know, just integrate them into what, what I was doing. Um, fast forward, you know, um, this is like 2016, you know, I'm working with different artists, you know, independently and just learning about the space. So I found my niche, like helping artists on the digital marketing side. And also helping artists from a brand side because I got to see what people at Beats by Dre were able to do with artists. So I started plugging in different brands with artists where like I can get a bag for an artist where they could just like do a photo shoot, you know, do some branded content. And it was ways where like you weren't necessarily making pennies off just like your your royalties off your your music. It was like you can get money at face value, but also a marketing opportunity to like expand your brand outside of your core audience. So these were just things I was just thinking about. I was like, just, let me just try this. Um, so that's where like I really found my niche in music, which was, um, you know, through trial and experience, not trial and error. And, um, and then during 2016, you know, mind you, I have all these artists like reaching out to me like, yo, Drew, how do you do this? And then a third, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure things out, but how can I help? everyone on a bigger scale because I I knew that, you know, what I went through for the first six years. And I remember working out of a co-working space. Uh, shout out to Wix. Wix is a website platform. They had a co-working space in the Flatiron. And it was free, only if you had a free uh, Wix website. And little people didn't know about this. <laughs> so I literally found out through my friend. Mm. And if you had a free Wix, if you had a Wix website, you could work out of here and apply for the program. I applied, you know, I positioned myself as like the only music person and I was the only music person there. So like I was able to get in and I worked there for free and which was really cool because I was able to like really build my brand out of there. And that's where Digilog was born in 2016. Um, I saw all the community program that they were doing and I was like, wow, they're doing this for just people that are trying to build websites and their, in their businesses. How could I do the same for artists and music professionals? 
and we had our first event at you know you know was was one of our first events was at wix and what i realized you know for me was how powerful that was because i remember going to like music events in the past and you we can attest to this man events music industry events are very clicky mm-hmm. like everyone's to themselves it's cold it's not welcoming and i remember going to an industry event that i had to pay for i was like man this is whack like how does it why are people paying for this why did i pay for this <laughs> Um, but I did that as a social experiment. Yeah, I was just like, why am I doing this? So, you know, and I wanted to create a space where like people felt like they could just be themselves. And we started with a small group of like people that we knew. Uh, we started with small workshops. Uh, eventually, we scaled into like panel discussions. And fast forward, you know, we're like working with brands like WeWork, you know, doing events there in New York, um, traveling across the country. Um, we, we eventually worked with a really dope audio brand, um, Sennheiser. We did a four day conference. Oh my gosh. That was a lot to produce. And then we worked with some really other dope brands like Dolby and, you know, fast forward, you know, here we are, you know, four and a half years later, you know, with an incredible community that I have a privilege to be a part of, um, you know, over close to 23, you know, thousand followers across our socials um and an amazing team that i've been able to like be a part of because all those team members i have now started as attendees and you know and i think there's a common thread i think one we love music we have a passion for music and we also have a passion to pay it forward so you know digilog has been a big part of like my why um but outside of that you know you know, I've also had to learn about the business of music through just like working in music. So I had an opportunity to actually work at Def Jam because of the Digilog. Um, I remember my my boss uh, and mentor, my friend JD Tominski, got to give him his flowers. Like he DM'd me in 2017, was like, yo, I like what you're doing. Come in. I like the aesthetic and all of your creating. So the point I'm making is that sometimes you have to start things and create things for people to see your, your worth and value. So versus you having to wait for you to go in and just do it. And I was able to create that without anyone telling me to. And people noticed it. And uh, once I got to Def Jam, it was definitely intimidating. Um, I have to say, like, the first, you know, month, you know, I was going through my imposter syndrome. I was like, man, do I belong here? Um, do I, am I, is my experience worth here? And what I realized was, you know, I wasn't defined by the building or the label. Like people rocked with me because of me, and that's I I, I took that and I went into meetings more confident because like the first marketing meetings are very intimidating because you have all these like like big players in music that have had success, and when I came in I was very intimidated but you kind of learn like oh wait I can add value because people respect for you know respect the work I did, and um, I was able to like just put my head down. And one of the artists that I was really a big part of the growth of was was Danny Lay. Um, obviously, you know, I don't work with her anymore. So given the current news, but, you know, um, she was a big part of, you know, my, you know, really contributions and a lot of great artists like Alessia Cara, Tiana Taylor. Um, I got to work with some amazing female artists. Um, I got to work on a Nas project. Um, Pusha T, so really dope artists, 
but my, my 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 really like big contribution was Danny Lay because I got to see an artist from zero to like really really grow. And fast forward, um, just through all that work, I was able to find a really dope opportunity to work at Alamo. And then since then, you know, um, for those who are listening, you know, I was a big part of like Rod Wave's growth last year and got to see him grow as an artist. And, you know, it was a challenging time during this pandemic to promote an artist during a pandemic, but we were able to do it. So shout out to the, the, the Alamo team, but more importantly, the digital team and all the partners that really supported him and Rod and his fans. So here we are. Wow. What a journey. And it's it's not it hasn't ended. I feel like for me personally, uh, you know, Drew and I connected on LinkedIn um, because, you know, I feel like me per- I'm at that point where Drew is about to where Drew went and went to California and traveled for three years. That's what I feel like I'm about to do in my current situation. And, you know, I, I wanted to take the opportunity because a lot of people see networking as a way to like oh i want to get something out of it but at the core it's just connecting with people and i just wanted to sen- simply have a conversation with drew get to know him you know meet him as a person and to see drew's growth over the past you know year or so since we've been connected i think like the digilog has really gone off through the pandemic your work with alamo has gone off through the pan um, pandemic as well and it's it's a testament to who you are as a person and i, I really it. love the point that like you really spoke about it's not about what you do for your regular work, right? You know, your regular work is good, but what do you do outside of it and that passion and purpose? And you you spoke about, you know, Kevin and I doing this project and working with our friends. And that's the thing that we've always in mindset we've always had is like, this is just going to be a way to kind of be a catalyst for us to kind of get to that next level. Yeah, huge, huge. And I love to see things like this. So um commend you for putting this together so shout out to mogul talk <laughs> thank you, thank you. And i totally appreciate that one thing um you were so right about beats being the most coveted thing they became the next big thing after in new york north faces like the jacket that was the thing everybody mm-hmm. was robbing people for and then i would i would like to say like beats became the new north face where like they'll just try and snatch it from you which became like a dangerous item to have that's how coveted it was um Another thing that you said uh, that I want to piggyback on is just the resources that are out and exist for people, um, especially living in a city. You know, you did do the Wix thing. And there are other grants that people could apply for, minority things, that will allow you to push any business forward. Um, a lot of people don't know it's not really that expensive to, like, get an LLC online. Right now, in these days, everything is much more accessible. And that can, like, that also connects to things like uh, the current GameStop and um, Nikon thing that now normal people are getting money using the like the market. Right. It isn't right. just the big hedge fund people. It isn't just the big market heads that are, are leading in marketing. You were able to use the resources like YouTube um, to push your your uh, your uh, your brand. And any anybody, if they have the idea, they can think it. It can come to fruition. Um, and so like you creating that community and you having this journey, do you think that you kind of have or hold power in a sense? Um, do you have power to put people on? Have you gotten to that level yet? Uh, through the digilog though, I can clearly see that you feel that you do have to pay it forward. And that's really wonderful to say, like how, what one, how, what caused you to feel that way that no, this isn't just for me. There's enough pie to go around. Um, we can't have, we can't be a greedy, you know, 
and and city you can't be greedy because really there's enough money to go for everyone what what caused you to have that like outlook and to continue to um see it through with like the digital yeah i mean i think it's twofold i think that the idea uh, of just having um what i went through you know through my own experience you know have not necessarily having a mentor at the time and you know it's like man I can only imagine what they're going through right now because I was lost for the first couple of years and what I had to go through in terms of just like, you know, my family, not necessarily understanding what I was going through at the time, you know, your, your, your friends changing. Um, just, and I think what held me together was just always believing in myself that, you know, this was going to pan out, um, being your biggest champion, but, and you talked about this, you know, trying to move to LA where, you know, you, you got to really have thick skin for that. But everyone's not made to be that. Um, and I was able to get through it. But I was like, all right, how do I help people at least or, or create a starting point? And I feel like I have a, you know, going back to my why is like I have a social responsibility to to help people with a starting point. This is I'm not going to give you the sauce. Like the sauce is you like you're the sauce. You guys got to figure it out. But we're going to be here and support you and give you tools and resources. Mm. We're not going to tell you how and how to make these creative ideas happen. We're just going to give you the tools and resources and say, go for it. Right. We can't tell you when to wake up. We can't tell you when to go to bed. You know, that's on you. But we are going to guide you with, with things that you don't necessarily have access to and information that you don't have access to. We can, we can help you with that. So that's one. I think, too, the idea of pie and making things better and sharing information is that I care about the future of music, right? Mm. I care about the product of music being better. So why limit information where we can collaborate better? You know, why can't you collaborate with someone in a different country as, a, as an artist? Because the product of music can only be better that way. Why can't we get the most qualified people, you know, in these positions to help market these artists? It doesn't have to be through nepotism and through people that just are hiring their their nie their nieces and nephews. It's about the quality of people that want to pay, you know, do the best work for the artists. And this is all it's going to help everybody in the long run, whether you're like the bigger guys, the smaller guys, you know, because at the end of the day, the product and the future of music can only be better because of it. No, most definitely. And you think, you know to go off of what you were talking about it sounds like a, there's a lot of gatekeeping um and people and not only just in the music industry but i feel like in the world in general people are really trying to hold on to the sense of power or control that they have and uh in that type of space you know i feel like there's a lot of like kind of pressure you know that somebody might feel because of like hey you know what like I, how, how do i feel how, how do i make sure you know your obligation and your why is making sure that somebody else gets a step up from the knowledge that you have so they can pay it forward for the next person but i just feel like a lot of the world and you know we're going to definitely touch on this when we get to our trends to watch but like clubhouse you know there's a lot of gatekeeping on clubhouse and people you know trying to set up certain type of things and show like you know i i think about that meme that was going on twitter when people do their clubhouse interactions like my name is john i run marketing for this 
this company. I manage this artist. I'm an a and I'm a videographer. I have all these <laughs> different titles and purposes. But then at the same time, they're trying to like put themselves, put each other on. So I think my question going into that is, what was one thing that you wish you would have known at the beginning of your career, whether it was dealing with people or, you know, certain type of experiences that you wish that you had? Yeah, I, I wished, you know, and then this is something I, I didn't start doing or focusing on in the past four years was really focusing on my mental health. So um, I think we get caught up in hustle culture. I was a big product of it and working, you know, tirelessly and like, where it's like, man, um, am I doing enough? Um, I'm not seeing the results. And what did I compromise from that? I compromised my time with family. I comp compromised time with friends. And there has to be moments where you have to like take a switch off because everyone is gonna burn out. Um, and you have to like learn how to like listen to your body, listen to your mind. Because how could you pour water if your if your cup is like half full? Like it's how do you help other people when you're drained? And these are things I was thinking about recently. And I was like, why was I in those positions? Like the first six years, like, why did I feel like I wasn't at my best is because I didn't necessarily put myself first. Mm. Um, and that's something that you just learn over time. And I'm a big advocate for where you have to make sure that you get, you have to, you have to be your best self so you can be the best version of yourself. And, more importantly, have the best, you know, product of yourself. Like, how do you help people at your best? And you have to make sure you, you take care of yourself that way. Most definitely. No, the mental health aspect. And it's good to, like, see that I've now in 2021 and in 2020, 2019, mental health has become, you know, not as taboo. We do like to work out all, all of our muscles. You want to get abs, you know, get biceps, but we need to know that our brain is a muscle as well that needs to be worked at. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why we, uh, I think more companies now are like offering blank space, you know, just so you can have someone to, to talk to, someone that you uh, can help you organize your thoughts. Uh, coming from a marketing standpoint, wanted to ask you, uh, you worked with Wi-Fi's Funeral and Rod Wade, both XXL freshmen, uh, 2018 Wi-Fi, and I think 2020 was uh, Rod Wave. Uh, Rod Wave, in my opinion, seems to be more popular at the moment. Uh, I also think mm -hmm. you could clearly see his like raw talent, um, and when he is spitting, you can feel his pain, in my opinion. So I think that's why maybe he is popping off more. Yeah. Do you think yeah. the Double XL freshman list is a diluted thing now? Uh, has it decreased in value? Uh, it, or is it just like a sticker that is placed on an artist, um, you know, much like, oh, Grammy nominated. But from a marketing standpoint, has it been diluted in any way? Has now, because that has gone down, what are the other avenues that young rappers need to be looking at? Is it now that they have to be on TikTok and make a, you know, there's no concerts now. So how else are you going to get out there? You know, how else are you going to show that you're lit? So what do you think? Specifically the double XL, do you think it has been diluted over the years? Yeah, well, I, I think any uh, press validation is always going to be great for an artist. Um, you know, obviously, press is great kind of a rite of passage. I mean, Double XL for a lot of uh, artists that we're big fans of, whether it's Kendrick, you know, J. Cole, happy birthday, by the way. Um, and and just 
it just for a lot of the artists over the years, Nipsey and everyone else, it's like been a rite of passage. So I won't say it was diluted. I think it's important to have benchmarks where, you know, you as a developing artist, as a rapper, kind of like, okay, what did I do this year? Like, am I part of this, this, this group of people that are supposedly supposed to be like the next wave of big artists, right? Um, so I think it's important to have those things, especially with, with platforms like XXL being, you know, a big part of hip hop over these past, what, 10 years. Um, you know, it's definitely a rite of passage. But I think for artists, the most important thing is, you know, the way I talked about my why is what is the artist's why? And the artist, if the artist's why isn't their fans, then we got a problem, mm. you know? And the music is going to be there, right? We know everyone has great music, but who are the artists, you know, which artists are paying attention to the fans? And, you know, are they talking to their fans? Are they, are they engaging with their fans, right? There's a reason why, like, platforms like TikTok are, you know, really affect music consumption because, you know, there's so much fan engagement there. But also there's a community there. And I think for a lot of artists, they, before pre-COVID, you know, we, we, they took it for granted how fans were a big part of their growth. Mm. You know, and I think, you know, for a lot of artists, whether you're big or small, you know, you have to make sure your, your why should be artists because platforms like TikTok is driven by community. You know, platforms like YouTube are driven by community. Like you got to really really engage with them and it's challenging obviously as an artist because you're going through this pandemic but this is a time where you have to create that intimacy because everyone is dealing with it mm. like how do you how do you approach it where like fans feel like they're a big part of the discussion that you're creating and it's not just promoting your music when you want to it's about creating conversation and interest that you're passionate about and i always try to tap into artists whether it's like you know you love gaming you love fashion like this is where you connect on a human level where I actually can connect with this person outside of loving their music. Mm -hmm. And it's creating that, that, that meaningful connection that's going to make you want to, you know, purchase their merch, make you want to share their content, make you want to like post a quote from them because, you know, as a marketer, you know, you know, you know, three of the first questions I ask myself on a daily basis is like, who are your artists fans? You know, where your artists fans live? And how do I convert my artists' fans into super fans? Because, like, fans can be casual and be like, yo, I heard that song, but I don't know who the artist is. Or a fan could be like, man, I know every lyric from Rod Wave. Like, I know he was born in St. Petersburg, like, this, that, and the third. Like, so how do we get those fans to be those type of fans? You know what I mean? So the artists' fans got to be their why, you know? And I think if you're if you, if you, if that's not the case, then I would try to, like, you know, reevaluate what your why is. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, with the fans really are the ones that, because if you want to be successful, let's say you only had 10,000 fans, but if they gave you $10 each month, you're going to make $100,000 a month. Um, if mm -hmm. someone is clowning you on IG, let's say Nicki Minaj, you know, the barbs are going to come and decimate you, you know, protect you no matter what. Um, Beyonce, the high be girls, gonna come with a sniper gun, like, sniper gun like, <laughs> like, like Call of Duty, like Call of Duty, man, <laughs> duty, man. <laughs> and they get, they're gonna send you to the gulag. Like, it's uh, they, the fans are. I'm gonna give you an example. There's a comedian, Andrew Schultz. Uh, he's from New York, mm -hmm. from Manhattan, and he's popping. And he has a show called Inside Jokes. And 
it's just him coming up with jokes with his uh, with his friends, like how they their processes and everything. Kevin Hart actually yesterday announced a show called Inside Jokes, and it's the same exact thing. And Andrew Schultz uh, series has millions of views on YouTube, and Kevin Hart I guess apparently had no idea. But Andrew Schultz fans were like, yo, Kevin Hart, like, that's messed up. Like, how are you not going to know your fellow comedian? Like, uh, um, this is messed up. And now Kevin Hart put on an apology, and he's changing the name of the show, and it's not no longer going to be Inside Jokes. And apologize to the comedian and everything. And without his fans, that might have not been possible. Um, so you have to hold them down. Because they're the ones giving you the money. Like, you know, they were there when you weren't hot, and you've got to keep them when they are hot. It's, but not the toxic, toxic fans. Because, of course, there's the, the fans that are over the top that expect everything. You don't want the Selena Because you know no. an artist is a human, no, too. No, no, no. No. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you got to know that that they also have a point where they can't please everyone. And that's a, a, what an artist has to realize. Yo, we can't please everyone, but we have to try. You know, try your best. Because that, that's, that's how you're rich. Yeah, you, I mean, you got to, I think artists have to understand that whether you're big or small, is that your artists are a big part of your identity. You know, they're a part of your authentic code. Like, this is who they are. You know, why are you making this music for? Obviously, you make it for yourself, too. That's driven by it. But, you know, people are following you or sharing your music, and they're inspired or moved by it. And I think if we're not listening to that, you know, given this pandemic, it's challenging for artists to really be able to, like, excel during these challenging times because... You know, we're dealing with, you know, as, as a marketer and just like artists in general is the attention economy, you know, people's attention spans, right? Uh, people are consumed by the pandemic as a whole, their politics, their day-to-day relationships, whatever it may be. But where does music and this artist fit through all of this on a daily basis, right? So if an artist can keep top of mind, um, carry that conversation and make sure like, all right, as I'm carrying this conversation, I'm going to plug in myself about my music here and there. So by the time that the, they drop a project, you know, you're always like in the conversation with your fans. Like it doesn't feel like, oh, wait, they just dropped a project. All right, I'm going to just tune in this week and forget about it. Um, you know, instead, they, they feel like they're a part of the growth. They want to support you. And that music is just a, a part of the, the, the relationship. Most definitely. I think, too, you know, uh, it's a really important point, and I, it's so ironic that that's the, the the title of today's episode is community because you talk about how an artist needs to build a community of fans and, you know, turn them into super fans, right, so that they continue to uh, build that revenue, build that relationship. And then talking about your work with the Digilog, and the community that you built are there because that community is not only music industry professionals, but it's beginner music people, it's artists, it's uh, marketers trying to create some space. There are people, and I love the the way that you guys pivoted this year, is to help support people who are you know in need of jobs and opportunities because that was really a huge blow because of the music industry being at a halt and you know live entertainment being on pause. We weren't able to. Um, have those moments where you know people still have sustainable jobs so you guys are providing mm-hmm. opportunity so really can you express the importance of community and your journey and an artist's journey and what is maybe one common myth about building that sense of community that somebody might need to learn yeah for for sure i think and i think community and i think 
people can get intimidated by it. But community starts with your the, your network first. Um, you know, the people that are really have shared values, your tribe. And it starts with the first 10. And it's like, all right, cool. Who who also shares these values? So it's trying to find that common thread where, you know, in our case with the Digilog, we wanted people that were passionate about music and but also wanted to like help each other out. Mm-hmm. So I think two twofold is understanding that, you know, you don't have to think about the numbers because we we get lost in the idea of like, oh, we have to gain all these followers, these subscribers and so forth. Just focus on building authentic relationships with your group and eventually that will add up as people, you know, speak word of mouth and just say like, oh, this is a really dope group. And then, you know, you, you create some really cool events. And then, like I said, there's common value because they love music. We love music. We also want to help each other out. So you kind of see that multiply and you start to beat the same type of people. And then over time, you know, you're just consistent with it. And I think this is something that we learned a lot is that we were consistent with programming that we were able to like really slowly grow um, the community as a whole. And my intention in the beginning was never to like feel like, you know, this was a, a like a huge company. It was really just more so just to create that intimacy, regardless of we were 10 groups of people or like a hundred thousand, you know, I wanted to make sure that people felt like they, you know, like, like myself was accessible. Um, and this is something that I want to continue to, to do as we grow and feel like there's not a, a, an email that you have to reach out to, or like a support group. Like you can reach out to people from the team that you see that you, you can have a relationship with, um, and feel like you're part of something um, and know that, you know, there is like intimacy behind the things that we're creating. Like there's something that's personal about it. Um, and that's, can, that's challenging, you know, as companies grow, you know, things grow, but that's what I'm really focusing on. I'm not worried about the numbers per se. I just want to make sure that, you know, all our emails are answered, all our DMs are answered, you know, all our comments are responded to. Like these are the things I think about. And as we get bigger, we're going to prioritize that. No, respect. No, respect. Beautifully said. You know, so. Um, you know, so. Hell yeah. Nah, um, in this day, do you think it's, is it possible or how more likely is it that a artist, uh, actor, whatever it may be, be blackballed in the in- industry? Um, cause like, because I feel partnerships, especially in the music industry, you need maybe the radio or Spotify look that rap live playlist, um, be in the explore page. How important are partnerships for an artist? Can they really survive in this time in 2021 without the help of anybody? Or do you really just need to be able to, other than the music, like self making the music self uh, by yourself uh, in order to really get out there, is it possible to do it solo? Like, can do you need an Alamo uh, Records, or do you need a Power 105? Do you need, uh, again, the Explore page on TikTok? Is it uh, imperative? Or if you don't got that, much like Takashi, even though he did his things, he's completely blackballed, and he's really not going to really be out here. I don't think so. You know, he's not going to get no radio play, so we I don't foresee him being able to uh, get, hit the stratosphere like any other artist anymore, I should say. Yeah, for, for sure. I, I think for artists, everyone has different goals. I think there's artists that really want to like take the time to like, for example, if you're an independent artist, 
like being able to take the time to build your fan base locally, regionally. Um, understanding that, you know, from a revenue standpoint, obviously streaming is very challenging. So instead of looking at streaming as a way to like make money, look at streaming to understand who your fans are and how to market your music. Um, we understand that the revenue pie has shrunk, right? So, you know, you know, for a lot of independent artists, they're not making money through their music. So you're going to make money through what are the other avenues, brand partnerships, merch, um, you know, brand partnerships is challenging because, you know, sometimes it's, it's about figuring out what your value proposition is for the brand. Um, trying to figure that out, but it's all levels to it. I think the first thing is first is going back to like the artist's why is making sure that you're, you're building a, a community and, and a fan base first. Um, you know, it starts with the first hundred and the first 500 and the first thousand, and eventually the, the next 10,000. So for example, here's a, here's a case, here's an example. So you, let's say you have 10,000 followers. 10% of those followers, um, you know, are your super fans. If you drop a $10 piece of merch tomorrow, and let's say over a course of a week, they all buy it, that's $10,000, right? So uh, that's $10,000 of revenue uh, versus you as an artist trying to like just make money through streaming. For example, if you were to get a million streams on Spotify over a year, that equates to about $4,000 in revenue. So it's really shifting the mindset that, you know, you can build um, a revenue stream for yourself as an artist through your small communities that you create. So niche communities is what's going to be really important for artists going forward, um, particularly independent artists that really want to find those those focus groups, those niches. Because as you get bigger, obviously, you know, your, your super fans will really convert to like casual fans, Right. You know, the artists that are on playlists like Rap Caviar, Rap Life, you know, those are great. But you also have to think about the quality of fans that are listening to that. That's probably the average listener that doesn't really search for music, um, likes hip hop, but is not going to go search the artist. They want to be really given and really being, be basically curated or playlisted to that type of music. But the fans that are searching for new music or searching for the next artist, those are the fans I really care about. So... You know, that's going back to the idea of like really focusing on those smaller groups as at least in the beginning. Um, and as far as like partnerships, I think, like I said, with artists, they got to look at brands that align with them and their shared values. So if the brand doesn't align with your shared values, then you shouldn't work with them just because of the bag. And I'm just saying this from experience, like, you know, you don't want to like work with a brand that says balls vodka. And it doesn't match your brand. You're just like, what? <laughs> I'm a, that's a real brand, though. And um, and the, it was, you want to do it because it makes sense for you. And you want to find brands that, you know, you can also grow with, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, if there's, like, an emerging, like, merch, like, designer that's, you know, like, really dope, but this is has a small audience, too. Like maybe you're like, hey, let's share each other's audiences. Let me wear your stuff. Um, you could use my music and your content. Let's do that. Build as you come up. Mm. So from a brand standpoint, people always look vertically. You got to look at who, who's around you. You know, especially in the beginning. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, you know, you you put your 
you're pointing us in the right direction. You talk about, you know, networking and building right there. And I think right now we talked about this on our last episode of uh, Trends to Watch Clubhouse. I think this re- this week um, Clubhouse got an estimated $1 billion evaluation. Um, and this is pre-launch, right? Um, we're still in the beta stage of Clubhouse. So, you know, a good question here is, you know, how, how important is the power of networking and, you know, looking at platforms like, you know, uh, Clubhouse and, uh, you know, I think Twitter is using a version, creating their own version of Clubhouse and, you know, using platforms like LinkedIn. Um, how important is, you know, building that network in those type of spaces? And then as we foray into Clubhouse, you know, uh, who deserves the credit for the popularity of, of Clubhouse? Well, I'll start with that question. So we got to give credit to black culture. Um, You know, when you think about like what they're doing right now in terms of just like, you know, creating the conversation, artists, you know, celebrities, the conversation's happening there. And that's the same thing goes with like Twitter. Like, it's interesting because the valuation is so high. And, you know, obviously the people that are driving it may not necessarily walk away with equity. So I think that's really interesting about it that, you know, there's that there was a whole conversation in Clubhouse about it. Um, but I just want to give me I just want to make sure I'm, we're clear with that. Um, and I think as far as different cultures of subgenres of that, there's music, fashion and so forth. Music being a big conversation piece. Um, but yeah, as far as platforms, uh, I think there's uh, a really exciting um, thing happening with Clubhouse because of what it's evolving to. Um, I was listening to a podcast earlier this week. Um, you know, there's rooms where, you know, what we viewed as podcasts and, you know, education, you know, it's kind of a combination of, of like becoming like an audio masterclass of, of sorts. So I like to say they're audio classes. Mm-hmm. And I think education is going to be a big driver for Clubhouse. Um, it's going to be a big centerpiece for it. Um, and I think, you know, with Clubhouse evolving, you know, I'm sure that once they raise money, they'll be able to like really filter, you know, the right clubhouse rooms and the right moderators because, you know, let's just be honest, it's a lot of capping there. Uh, <laughs> it's cat, it's cap house, and it's 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 sad because, you know, I, there's a lot of people hustling, you know, artists out, uh, you know, guaranteeing them success, you know, making them pay to play, and the reason why going back to my why social responsibility we're there to actively say like hey there's a real community here here's real resources at least the first layer programming is free guys it's free Mm. and there's no catch it's free um and there's there's not just free but there's real people that are behind it that care about you and there's credible people that want to speak to things that you're looking for. Do we have all the answers? No, but we can get the answers for you. Um, do we have the sauce? No, but we're a starting point. So all the things that people create rooms for, whether it's like you can make a million dollars tomorrow, here are the secret sauce and the gems. I mean, or five hundred dollars yes. for mo- for to hear like a group of people moaning. You know that's when the platform went left. I'm like, guys, you know th- we were going in the right direction, and then something like this happens, and we're like, all right. Oh, for sure. So 
but in, in anything that's new, you need these things to happen because it's like you got to filter out the BS. And people will start to realize what discussions they want to be a part of and who's moderating it, mm. right? So it kind of has to like happen itself, and it's what's happening now. Uh, we saw that. I think there was like a room um, where, where just a bunch of hustlers were trying to like shit on like – sorry – uh, we're trying to like it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> uh, trying to shit on DistroKid, and I don't know if you saw that. It was just like um, basically they just wanted to like um, use that conversation to get a job from from the, from him, um, and 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 basically scam people to like take their webinar. Um, and then that's the thing too is like there's a lot of information that's free and available. I think for the artists. You just can't be lazy and think you're going to find your answers there in Clubhouse. You got to do your research. You got to understand that, you know, just because a person has a followers doesn't mean they're legit, right? You got to fact check. Mm-hmm. Who's following the people that are talking? You know, that's how you validate the credibility. And that's why I love LinkedIn because, you know, it's really tough to like, you know, people will check your credibility and who's, who you're connected with. Mm-hmm. And and I think LinkedIn, you know, is a great kind of benchmark for that, especially as a professional. So that's how we connected, obviously. And that's where a lot of my activity is. <laughs> so so LinkedIn is definitely something that artists and, you know, music professionals, but also artists should need to tap into because people, they you need to do your research on the people that are giving you advice because I'm not saying you can't pay for experience. I think there's a lot of, dope people that have valuable experience that you can invest for invest in but don't just pay for things that people are regurgitating online wow that that was a gem definitely drop drop mike <laughs> Where, where's the obama meme <laughs> right there <laughs> no honestly now, truly, this is, uh, you know, I, I feel like we're, you know, at the the, the finish line almost, um, but truly uh, a very helpful and insightful dialogue. And, you know, before, you know, first off, I want to say thank you, Drew. You know what I mean? Uh, I think thank you for taking the time out of your day to sit and talk with us. And I hope that our listeners and even newer listeners that are come across our podcast podcast um can listen to this and walk away with some gems and i I think the conversation was not only centered around music and artists but there were gems on a personal level on a professional level um from a marketing standpoint and just gems that you can take along with you for life um but before you leave i wanted to you to have a platform this is like the mr rogers moment right he says his final thoughts the thing that he wants to leave with the people he gives his cosign he puts on his fly sweater his shoes and says what he needs to say so this is your moment to do that you know let the people know anything that's you got going on um plug yourself for digilog everything this is you well i just want to say thank you uh you know to, to the entire team for for allowing me to to be part of this so i met julian via linkedin um uh, we had a chat and you know he's invited me to this this podcast and um this is like each one teach one like we're all supporting each other so just goes to show that you you can't grow if you don't support your friends so give your flowers to your friends gas them up this is the yeah. time to do it 
you know, we need to grow together, build each other up. So I just want to just say that. And for those who are listening, um, make sure to follow the Digilogue. Um, you know, we're a global community where we, we speak to artists, we speak to young music professionals, and we're a real we're real people. This is not like some tech company or robot. Like, you know, we have real voices and we, we're, we're accessible. So make sure to tap in. There's a lot more exciting stuff to come up with the new year. Uh, we just launched two new playlists. If you're an artist um, on Audio Mac, these are verified playlists. Rapper's Delight for our hip hop heads and Channel Purple for our R&B heads. And mind you, these are the same streams that you're going to get on Spotify, Apple Music, and the submission is free. Um, so for the artists, that's for y'all. For the young music professionals, we we post job listings every Monday and Thursday. So we also have our newsletter that posts all our jobs and like industry news that's happening during the week. And then most recently, we launched a Digilog directory. So essentially, we have a database where we match people with job opportunities. So we actually placed three people with jobs since December. Wow. Um, and employers are reaching out to us to basically filter all the BS that they have to go through and say, like, who are the qualified candidates from your community that can make sense for these job positions? And to say that we placed three jobs and three helped three people with their lives in that respect means so much. So um shout out to like you know the, the music careers team on that and then i think lastly um for the artists young music professionals and anyone else make sure you always you know have a chance to understand like why you're doing this thing whether you're becoming an artist you want to like tap into the music space um understand what your why is you know because music isn't the is it isn't the easiest thing to work in um it's very hard the optics may say something else, you know, flying on jets, you know, going on live shows, but it's a lot of hard work. So just making sure that your why is driven by passion, um, that you want to help people because it's going to go a long way for you. So, and then most importantly, through this, through that process, uh, make sure you put yourself first because your mental health is everything. Beautiful. Beautiful. Kev, throwing it to you. Shout out to Filipino gang. I I grew up in Woodside, land of the Fili- of the. My Woodside, Elmhurst folks. Hollywoodside, you know the vibes. Um, so <laughs> the fact that like, you know I fuck with that OD OD like I hold the Filipinos down to the day I die, no matter what. Because most of a lot of my friends are Filipino, so I, I really fuck with that. And if you're from Queens, Kevin, I'm a Filipino 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 Filipino. You're ordinary Filipino. You're ordinary man. Filipino man. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone to like Filipino parties and be like, "Yo, I'm half," and they'd be like, "Really?" And they'd be like, "Yeah." I'm you like, can yeah, pass for half. Yeah. You can pass for half. Yeah. Hell yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Especially if I'm surrounded, like then I could pass. <laughs> hey, you're hey, honorary Filipino. You're honorary Filipino. Miles. Facts, facts. No, but, truly, ya, this, no, but truly, this is great. Man, Man. Coming hey. correct. Coming okay. correct. All right. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 I don't even know you can do that. Watch out, LA. Watch, watch out, LA. Watch out, LA. Watch out, Who knows? Yo, I know. <laughs> I know. It's going to be right at home. Exactly. It's going to be like I never won anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> but no, absolutely. I appreciate you. Um, uh, nah, that's it. I think that's pretty much it. Thank you, everybody, for listening, tuning in to Mobile Talk. 
uh, check out at Judeleon, the Digilog. Uh, really, really, really inspiring. You're like the second marketer we've had. Before we had Junae Brown, who's also very impressive. Um, and it's tough work. It's tough work to be able to like one, you know, brand something and then just make it successful. So in, in this world, you know, you're always going to need a lawyer. You're always going to need a doctor. And someone's always going to need a marketer, you know, to try and get out of this. So I think you choosing to have that lane and create your lane was the best decision you ever made. Um, and it's not, not everybody could do it. And, but once the, you know, you weed out, uh, the ones who are whack, you rose up and continue to, to, to drive it, to drive the game. And I can see you changing the culture for the future. Cause that's really what it's about. Trying to create, trying to do the, the hard work. So the people in the future don't have to deal with it. You know, it's much like student loans, like, People be like, oh, we shouldn't forgive student loans because I had to pay it back then. But like, nah, you you struggled for the ones in the future to make it so they their lives could be better. You know, how else are we going to progress if you don't help everyone else? Um, so I appreciate Facts. that. I appreciate Facts. that. Like that energy, that energy is what we need. You know, it's a breath of fresh air that I do think that I guess a lot of people, especially the younger generation, aren't trying to be greedy as much. You know, they're trying to change that thing. But um, but it, it is a breath of fresh air. And that's what we got to do. Because if we don't got each other, how are we supposed to grow? For sure. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. Drops oh, mic. Drops mic. A lot of drops mic moments on here today. But once again, thank you guys for tuning in to Mogul Talk. Um, it's your boy, King Jules. One more time, you can find me at I am King Jules. And you can find my boy, Kev, at... And you can find Drew. Uh, Drew, drop drop your, your, your socials <laughs> yeah, you know, for at, the people to know. At Drew Curator. So see, you, you, even the Instagram name is 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 top tier. How can you compare? <laughs> you sure already by the Instagram name, you know, you know this man is serious business. Okay, take him seriously once you give him that follow. Uh, but <laughs> once again, thank you guys for t- tuning in today's episode. Um, you can find us on Mogul Talk um, on Anchor.fm. You can follow us on Instagram at Mogul Talk Podcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Mogul Talk Pod. Um, until next time, a lot of love, a lot of peace, a lot of joy to you all. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. Peace. Follow us on Instagram at Mogul Talk Podcast and on Twitter at Mogul Talk Pod. Be sure to find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, or Stitcher. Look us up in your search tab by typing in Mogul Talk. Thanks to our friends over at Anchor.fm, we're not able to accept listener support. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, head to our website at anchor.fm slash mogultalkpodcast and hit the Become a Supporter tab. From there, you can support the podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes as low as a dollar per month. We thank you and appreciate you in advance. Until next time, stay focused, stay motivated, and stay woke.